0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Alright, last last week, Friday, I said I thought we could get through the remaining names today. So, minimal screw-around time on today's podcast. Minimal. We're diving in with Bruce Brown as we work our way backwards... From the end point to the beginning, although we did have a trade that happened over the weekend, so we'll slot that in at the end here. Oh, hi, everyone. It's Fantasy NBA today. You guys knew that already, I think. It's the it's the dead of the offseason. Uh, fairly certain that anybody listening to the show right now is well aware of what they're listening to. But I like to try to do every podcast with the thought in the back of my mind that there might be one, even one, new listener... And so that's why I want to say hi. I'm Dan Vespers. Thanks for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Vesperus. You can find me on threads at Dan Vespers. Twitter update. I'll, get, I'll do one of those after we get to Bruce Brown. Let's talk Bruce Brown first because Bruce Brown got a lot of money this offseason. $45 million on a two-year deal off a championship with the Nuggets where he showed himself to be... Well, as versatile as we all thought he was, which is very versatile. Yeah, I'm pronouncing it versatile, not versatile. Because I like long vowels. Brown played about 20 and, uh, 29 minutes a game this year or so, averaged 11.5 points, a three ball, four boards, three and a half assists, a steal, half a block, 48% from the field, 76 the free throw line. He was, you know how we often talk in this podcast about how Uh, being league average in almost every fantasy category gets you to around top 75 value. Bruce Brown was basically ever so slightly sub-league average in almost every statistical category, and that gets you to top 120 on the year. Now, it's worth noting that As the season went on, not that Brown got more to do, but the team did seem to trust him a little bit more. His minutes stayed relatively consistent throughout the year, right around 28, 29 minutes. But as the year went on, his shot attempts went up by a little bit, from 9 to 10, basically. Beginning of the season, he was around 9. End of the season, he was around 10. What did that do for him? Not all that much. Went from 11.5 points per game to about... 13-ish points per game, 12 and a half, 13. Stayed around one three-pointer. Rebounds stayed around four. Assists stayed around three. Steals blocks stayed pretty much the same. And so his overall value actually didn't really change all that much, even though he did start to get that extra shot late in the year. And when it did change, it was on the shoulders of fluctuating percentages. Like the last 15 games of the year, he was a 50-79 field goal free throw split Uh, the month before that he was more like a 44 81 field goal free throw split so the the usual bounce around of percentages but it did settle back to where it kind of always was so why all the fuss about about bruce brown getting this giant contract in indiana why the fuss about really his fantasy value Well, the one thing that is worth noting about Brown is that he played in 80 of Denver's 82 regular season games. On the Roto Games Cap side, a top 120 guy playing in almost every ballgame is actually not all that relevant. He does more when guys are out. Michael Porter Jr. missed 20 games. Jamal Murray missed 17. If you could isolate the days where those guys were out, Bruce Brown's value was a little bit higher. He was more like a top 100 as opposed to top 130 guy when the team was healthy. Who cares? That's not even really burger board material, although it's it's like a one-burger. He was like a one-burger fill-in guy. How does that change in Indiana? This year, with Denver, Bruce Brown was the fifth in offensive load. He was behind Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Aaron Gordon. As he goes to Indiana, he'll be behind Tyrese Halliburton. He'll be behind Miles Turner. He'll be behind Benedict Matherin. And he might very well be behind Buddy Heald. So is his role all that different? We know that Heald is... not really a focal point for this team. He's on an expiring deal. So the Pacers don't have the same impetus to run him hard. Although he is a very good floor spacer. He had three and a half, three-pointers a game this year. He's one of the better outside shooters in the NBA. Bruce Brown is not. That's not to say that one guy is going to get playing time over the other, but I don't know that Heald is just going to be like, summarily executed here going into the season. He's probably still going to get to play a bit, even if it's like what we saw at the end of the season where he was coming off the bench and playing, what, more like 24, 25 minutes a game instead of the low 30s. I guess he got up to, like, 26-ish off the bench. But he was still chucking away. So what is it exactly that we want Bruce Brown to do? I'm not here to tell you that it's not going to happen. Far from it, actually. I think that there's a very reasonable chance that he does do enough In Indiana to be a fantasy value. What I am wondering, though, is... How do we get from... Kind of fringy fantasy play... A one-burger guy... To someone that can end up on a team all season long. Minutes is going to be... R? Minutes are His minutes will be... A big piece of that puzzle. Because he was at 28 in Denver... Indiana's not giving him $22.5 million a year. I don't split up a little bit weird here. They're not giving him over $20 million a year to play slightly sub-starters minutes. He's going to play starters minutes with the Pacers, so expect that 28 to move up into the low 30s. How much does that actually change his outlook? I think the last month of the season with the Nuggets might be your best point of comparison. Brown was at 30 minutes of ball game. there. He took 10 shots a night. Surrounded by Jokic, Murray, MPJ, and fine Aaron Gordon as well, but mostly Jokic and Murray. When those guys are on the floor, everybody around them gets wide open shots. Not surprisingly, Bruce Brown shot 50% over the last month of this season. Is that a sustainably high number? As he goes to Indiana, where look, Tyrese Halliburton is a very good offensive player, but that dude ain't Nikola Jokic. Nobody is. It's not a slight. Nobody's Nikola Jokic. Nobody is getting their teammates open at the rate that Jokic is getting his teammates open. What Denver does makes these other guys kind of unbelievable. I mean, Aaron Gordon shooting up near 60% for most of this season. All right, fine. Let's go out on a limb. Let's get, let's get weird with it and say Bruce Brown can shoot 50% this year, which I don't think is going to be the case, but let's say that it happens. What do we think? 10 shots a night? Can he hover at 10? Yeah, I think he could get 10. So you're looking at 50% of 10 shots. The rate he was going in Denver, that put him at 14 points. Four and a half rebounds could become five In Indiana, the team is not as accomplished at rebounding as the combination, well, really just the Jokic. (laughs) Forget everybody else. Jokic. I mean, MPJ getting 6.5, that's something. Aaron Gordon getting 6 or whatever over that stretch, that's also something. Indiana has Miles Turner, who's a decent rebounder, but not hyper-elite. And then the rest of those guys are not over-the-top monster rebounders. They got young guys that'll be filling in there. So, sure, Bruce Brown could get to five boards. Will the assists go up? I uh, hard to say. Indiana plays a very high tempo, but you know Denver moves the ball like crazy. So let's say no. Let's say the assists for Brown stay in the three to three and a half range. And over the final uh, you know month of this last season, as we've been talking about, Brown was at two point one combined defensive stats, which was significantly up from where he was for the rest of the year. Do I think he can get to two? I think it's a stretch. like if you get him in there for 32 minutes a game, he can give you 1.3 steals. That does seem pretty attainable for him, but anything more than about 0.6 blocks feels like a bit of a reach. And then we said 50% and and free throw call, like 78, 79, something like that, which is a small negative. Where does that put him? What's 14, 5, and 3 with 1.9 defensive stats and minimal three-pointers, half to one three-pointer a game over an entire year? That's like a top 85, top 95 range guy. It's fine, but it's not I I actually really like Bruce Brown. So I don't I don't want you guys to conflate my feelings on Bruce Brown as a basketball player with Bruce Brown as whatever this season is going to bring on the fantasy side. I just feel like because of the because of the playoff success, because of the championship, because of the big contract, There's going to be an expectation that he's going to come in there and take like 13 shots a game. But that's just not him. Where does he get drafted? I still have no clue. But it feels like he's a rare low-volume guy who might get slightly overdrafted just because a team gave him a crap ton of money, and he's going to play more minutes. But not that many more. Two, probably. Top 85 is a reasonable target. I don't know that there's room to go much beyond that unless he suddenly decides to start taking a bunch of shots, which feels like a low-probability item. I want to jump in here and remind everybody to check out our pals at Manscaped.com today. Yes, shout-out to Manscaped. I know we've been weaving our way through a variety of fun partners, but I wanted to remind you guys that Manscaped is still out there, and they are still... Making amazing products. I'm reminded of them today because today is a day when I'm going to trim up this disgusting neck beard that's been coming in on my face. You don't have to use your Bandskate stuff exclusively on the other parts of your body. I don't know why I struggled to say that sentence, but I did. I want to acknowledge that it happened. Ahem, ahem, ahem. It's fine. I can do this. And... If you head to Manscaped.com and use the code ETHOS20, or HoopBall20 I think still works, you can get 20% off and free shipping on your order. That is, once again, ETHOS20 at Manscaped.com. Get the Essential lawnmower 4.0. That is the waterproof, cordless body trimmer. But also, the Weed Whacker. Brand new nose hair and ear hair trimmer. That's the Weed Whacker 2.0. The Shears 2.0. How many times have I told you guys on this show about the Shears? The Luxury Nail Kit has a 2.0 upgrade as well. I actually just used that this morning. I use it all the time. Honestly, of all the Manscaped things that I've gotten, the Shears gets the most usage. It's just right here on my desk in front of me. Every time I have something with any of my nails, fingers, toes, whatever, boom, out it comes. Clipper, incredible. The file, incredible. I love that thing. The shears has been one of the best, I'd say purchases, but they sent it to me because they're awesome. One of the best things that I've gotten through any of our partners ever. I use it all the time. Head to manscaped.com. Get yourself a shears. Get your nails trimmed up for the summer. It's hot, man. You don't want to grow those nails out too long. That's going to make your fingertips hot. Ah, <laughs> oh, That sounded silly in my head, and it was silly coming out. Uh, also, they got some gifts going right now. If you get the various performance packages, you can get travel bags, boxers, things of that, ilk. Those things are also pretty sweet over at manscaped.com. Again, that's promo code ethos20. Check them out right now. Go get something. Twitter, quick Twitter update. Uh, it looks so you guys can can feel however you want about this. Um, I decided that I've been reading all these reports on uh Cnet or whatever the the you know, my local I what's the uh what's the line that David Spade had in Tommy Boy? He said something like, Well, I'm gonna retire to the nerdery with the rest of the nerds and our calculators. So I was reading articles with the rest of my nerds and calculators, and they've all been saying that, you know, getting the signing up for Twitter blue does this or doesn't do that, and blah blah blah, and tweet deck's been broken. So I decided to just pay eight dollars, like an ass. I did it. I feel dumb about it, but At least now we'll have a data point. Whatever I find out, you guys will, I can, you can trust me. I will tell you what I've learned. So far, I don't really know. So far, it does seem like my replies are higher on priority totem poles and things like that. But from an overall, like, is this working better standpoint? I don't know. Uh, I know there were some issues with DMing over the weekend. But if you have had the blue check, that didn't apply to you. But now I think maybe they fixed that here for Monday tweet deck is working again for me so you can probably get me on twitter for now uh right at this moment after a few days of testing on the blue stuff uh i have no strong feelings either way as of this moment other than feeling gross that it's even happening but we'll get some data points we got you know probably call it like a 30 60 day trial run here see how it goes and uh then we'll find out if it's um a scam which sort of sounds like it. Anyway, uh, Twitter's working enough right now. As two weeks ago I mentioned they had until basically like the beginning of September to get this crap sorted out. And um, seems like they probably will, but who knows? Something could be broken again tomorrow. Anyway, next name's on the docket. Suns. A bunch of uh, a bunch of minimum deals. Josh Okogie, Drew Eubanks, Kata Bates job. None of these guys are going to be playing enough to have fantasy value. Um, Eubanks, you might see get in there if DeAndre Ayton gets hurt for any kind of stretch. We saw he put up some pretty good numbers in Portland. He's a good defensive stats guy. And being on a team where everybody's going to be drawing attention, he'll just be crashing the glass, blocking shots, stuff like that. So um, Drew Eubanks' profiles is probably a burger board type of guy, but none of these dudes need to be drafted. I think you guys kind of knew that. Kyle Kuzma, a new four-year deal with the Wizards, right around 25 mil a season. We can... This one is very format-dependent. So I don't want to just say, ah, write him off, because nine-category formats, he's a mess. He's a huge mess. He's averaging 21 points, that's good. Two and a half three-pointers, that's fine. Seven rebounds, that's decent. 3.7 assists, which is... Uh, above above league average for a power forward but not really putting a dent in anything steals blocks on the low side field goal percent is very bad free throw percent is pretty bad turnovers are pretty high so uh kuzma is the definition of popcorn numbers points boards assists he is decent to good at those three things uh, he's also good at three pointers, but doesn't that? I don't know that that's a popcorn stat. Doesn't matter. We can call it a popcorn stat if you want. Counting stuff. Uh, he's good at the. He's good at four of the six counting stats, and he's a mess at the points league stats, or the non-points league stats. Both percentages are are disasters. Turnovers are too high, and then steals and blocks, which you guys know for me, percentages and steals and blocks, I find to be the easiest way to rack up points, certainly on the Roto side, and he's bad at all of them. Yuck. So, 9-cat Roto, there's... And I don't even care that Bradley Beal and Kristaps Persingas are gone from this team, because Kuzma's one of those weird instances where more volume in 9-cat isn't necessarily that great of a thing for him. It's a little bit better. It's a little bit better. Uh, But when you think about for Kuzma... Increased usage means more points, threes, and assists. And field goal attempts and free throw attempts and turnovers. One of those turnovers, obviously a negative. Three of those, obviously positives. Points, threes, and assists. Field goal and free throw percent are kind of the, the deal breakers there. If those are both bad, then increased volume for a player means that that, that change is three good things and three bad things. The good typically outweighs the bad, at least by a little bit, even when it's three versus three in this type of thing. But for Kuzma, that's not necessarily the case. Let's again, let's just say hypothetically that it is, that more shooting is good for Kuzma, that 18 shots becomes 19 or 20 or something like that. and 3.7 free throws, that becomes five, yikes. But at least that translates to more scoring. 21 points becomes 24 or 25, maybe three threes, maybe four assists, stuff like that. So let's say that it is a very slight positive. You're still talking about a guy that this year was outside the top 140. I don't know the arc. There's a math. There's a graph you could do on this. That you'd have to get to for him to get top 100 in 9-cat. It's a long ways off still. Like you'd need to add probably four or five more shots, and we're not getting that high. But, 8 category, you wipe out turnovers, and he becomes a significantly better or fantasy player. He moves to right actually at the edge of the top 100. If you're punting either of the percentages and turnovers, he's very easily inside the top 100. And if you're in points leagues, he's actually pretty good. He's like, you know, 50-60 range guy. If you're... I know every time I say it, someone's like, yeah, I'm in a points league, and we do count field goal percent. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. Default setting. Doesn't care about percentages. So, sure. Kuzma, like, he'll be a points league darling this year. Until the Wizards most likely shut everybody down because they're in this weird haphazard rebuild. You'll have to worry about that at the end of the year. Um, But, like, 8-cat with a punt is a scenario where I could maybe see him... Getting drafted, because he would fit a build, gives you points, threes, rebounds, assists. And if you're punting, you know, free throw percent or something like that, then he does enough good things to outweigh the bad and blah, 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 blah. For those playing 9-cat and uh, trying to achieve a balance in all nine categories, you got a long way to go to make this dude worthwhile to your fantasy team. Again, you have to be punting turnovers and a percentage. Two things. Or I guess... uh, Yeah, I think it would have to be turnovers and a percentage. I guess if you were punting turnovers and steals, that would probably get him inside the top 100 also. So there's another path to it. It's roundabout, but it's there. But if you're trying to be successful in all nine, then he hurts you more than he helps. But they gave him a bunch of money, and he's sticking around, so you know at least you know he's going to do stuff i guess that's there is a value in knowing someone's going to do stuff torian prince was one of the first pieces of news that dropped way back on uh free agent day oh the spurs just waved lamar stevens that just broke while we were on air and no the tree fell in the forest and so on and so forth torian prince is not going to get to do very much he's going to fill in Uh, He's basically like the Troy Brown Jr. role from this last year. Um, A bunch of guys are going to have to be out for him to have any kind of sustained fantasy value. So he's like multiple injured players away from even hitting the burger board. Kobe White got a three-year, $33 million deal with the Chicago Bulls. This is another one where you need guys to get out of the way. Lonzo Ball is expected to miss this entire season, but we already saw that happen this past year. Um... And Kobe White has kind of a clunky fantasy game, good free throw number, decent scoring numbers per minute, but everything else is kind of on the on the rough side. So that's another one where you're really not digging in. You're, again, likely one or two injuries away from getting Kobe White on your burger board. Next one on the list is worth a brief mention, and that's Karis LeVert, who... I... <laughs> I still think that this is one of the funniest things, and, and I have no idea who's behind it, but I don't know if you guys remember like five, six years ago, I think Roto World was trying to get the hashtag LaVertical going. That crap was hilarious. LaVertical never really went LaVertical in the fantasy space, and that was because of statistical limitations. Uh, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, he's not that dissimilar from Kyle Kuzma, in that he can typically score. He doesn't rebound all that much, but he does get more steals than Kuzma does, so the defensive stats are a little bit better for Laverde. Assists are fine, slightly better than Kuz. Three-pointers are fine, but then you've got bad percentages, bad field goal percent, bad free throw percent. It's really, really hard to be a fantasy asset when both percentages are bad. One thing that Levert did down the stretch this season is that for the final 25 games or so, he actually shot over 50% from the field. I can't, in my wildest dreams, figure out how that happened, but I think we can safely guess that it's not sustainable. Over that month and a half, though, he did belong on fantasy rosters, because for that month and a half, he shot 51% from the field, and that elevated his numbers in a way that, you know, when that's a big drag, his other stuff isn't good enough. He also averaged 1.3 steals and .6 blocks over that stretch. But, and it's a big swinging butt here with LaVert, the Cavs, his competition, I guess we should say, his competition for minutes at that kind of swing position, because Darius Garland is going to get his starters minutes, as is Mobley, Donovan Mitchell, and Jared Allen. Those guys are all locked into 30-plus minutes per game. The guys that Karis Levert was fighting with for wing minutes on this team. Uh, Isaac Okoro, who's still there, Lamar Stevens, who we were just talking about getting waived by the Spurs. Uh psh, Dean Wade sometimes. Dylan Windler sometimes. It was it was a rough batch. But the Cavs brought in George Niang. They uh had the sign and trade for Max Struess. There is now actual competition for Karis LeVert to grab those wing minutes. So, yes, the last month and a half of this most recent season, he was inside the top 90, and over the last couple weeks when he was just shooting his absolute mind out, Karis LeVert was a top 30 fantasy play the last two and a half weeks of the season. 16-3-4 with three threes. 2.3 2.3 defensive stats, and a 56% shooting clip from the field. That's a classic case of some dude just getting real freaking hot and pu- and playing 31 minutes a game, but he's going to get pushed, man. And you'd be like, oh, they gave him 16 mil a year. Yeah, I mean, look at Max Strus's deal. There is no guarantee that LaVert gets 29 minutes a game this year, and even when he got it last season... It still didn't get the job done. So, no, I will likely be passing on Karis LeVert in uh, standard formats of basically... uh, Oh, I mean, what about points leagues? Could he get over the mark there? Probably not. Yeah, he's just not a standard leaguer. I don't even think he gets there in points leagues. Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Draymond Green, also one of the earliest pieces of news. Signed a four-year, $100 million extension with the Warriors. I mean, once they got rid of Jordan Poole, you knew Draymond was back. Uh, And also, frankly, Draymond kind of only makes sense in Golden State. Yeah, he's a good defender. He's a very good defender. I don't want to take anything away from Dre, but if he doesn't have some of the best shooters on earth around him in that offense, I he'd be like a total fish out of water. So then we turn our attention to the fantasy stuff with Draymond, and the fantasy stuff has been in slow decline for a while now. He was number 97 per game this year. Um, he's abandoned the three-pointer, the backpack three-pointer, which is the funniest meme of all time. I don't care what anybody says. 8.5 points, 7 boards, 7 assists, a steal, a block, 53 from the field, 71 at the free throw line, a lot of turnovers. Better in 8-cat than 9-cat, so let's make sure to get that out of the way. Um, Yes, probably deserves to be drafted in 8-cat. Not sure that he's a guy you really draft in 9-cat. If he fell far enough, you could look at it, but he's, he's Draymond, and... Basically, everybody on that Warriors team, like, the name value is just so powerful. He fell If he goes to, like, 115, 120 in 9-cat, I'd probably grab him. And he fits different builds, so don't let me talk you out of that. If you're punting threes, he makes a lot of sense. Um, If you're punting points, he makes a lot of sense. We end up doing that quite often on old man squads. So, I don't want to write him off completely, but I want to try to... Like, I start the analysis on everybody here on the show in traditional 9-cat. Draymond's a guy that I've traded for in the middle of seasons a number of times, knowing that he's just not going to put up great numbers. But also, I mean, if you're punting points, Draymond Green becomes a very valuable fantasy play. He jumps from number 100 to basically number 55 because he doesn't shoot, he doesn't score. So keep that in mind. Just, you know, keep it floating around. Probably won't be a draft day value. And I don't like to punt points on draft night. We've talked about this a thousand times, so I don't want to go too far down this road. I prefer to lean into mid-season decisions like that. Maybe that makes more sense in Roto than head-to-head. But if I'm in a Roto league and I'm like second or third from the bottom in points and like one of the teams beneath me is probably going to give up on the season, I might stay ahead of them. I might only lose one spot if I just give up on points in the middle of the year, but actually finish my 820-plus games, actually use up the games cap. And then you can pick up a guy like Draymond who's going to help you in boards, he's going to help you in assists, he's going to help you in steals, he's probably going to help you in blocks a little bit. Just ways to pick up roto points. And he'll be doing it in Golden State for a while longer yet, and he'll probably suffer some serious too old. He's almost too old right now, but you guys know that I end up punting points so often that it sort of pivot back the other way. Uh, Things that happened before this, I think Draymond might have actually been the very first thing that broke on free agency day, but I don't think we talked about a couple of trades that went down that day. Uh, Joe Harris got traded to the Pistons and in chats actually with a couple of folks that cover the Pistons, they think he might get to play a little bit out there. Um, Joe Harris is interesting. His fantasy game is uh, heavily reliant on actually getting to take shots. So that's what it'll really all come down to. And Detroit has all these young guys that they want to get in the lineup. I don't think you're going to need to draft Joe Harris, but don't be floored if he plays his way into pretty decent minutes, because young teams, teams that, I mean, look at the Pistons from last year. That team just had no floor spacing of any kind. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich was their only floor spacer. He's the only Piston that hit more than two three-pointers a game. The whole team hit like 1 to 1.4, so like they took a couple, but they really only one guy that hit the three-pointer. So now do you slot in, joe harris and take the spot of a younger guy probably not but does he then provide a little bit of wiggle room for someone like a cade cunningham who's not a big time outside shooter and allows you to play a center that doesn't space the floor it's unlikely but not impossible and the beauty of that is it means you don't have to draft him chris duarte got traded to the kings right before or right around the start of free agency uh, as just an opportunity to give a guy kind of a fresh look. Um, I don't expect him to play enough to have fantasy value either. His fantasy game is actually kind of weak to begin with for 9cat, and the Kings have plenty of guys that are all going to be pushing in front of him. And I don't think we ever got a chance to talk about Harrison Barnes signing a three-year extension in Sacramento, which for the Kings is probably a good thing because, you know, veteran leadership all that stuff blah 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 from a Harrison Barnes standpoint, it's a bad thing because his value as we just talked about with Harris is all tied up in getting to take shots. And he's just moving farther and farther down the Kings pecking order behind Aaron Fox, behind Demonis Sabonis, behind Kevin Herder, behind Malik Monk, behind Keegan Murray. If you just go in strict usage, he was probably in front of Keegan and Monk by a little bit mostly because of the free throw line, but Keegan's going to do more this coming year. Some of that probably comes from Kevin Herder, but there's just almost no way to envision Harrison Barnes getting to increase his shot attempts per game. So he's a guy where his fantasy game just doesn't it just doesn't really make sense and there isn't like an obvious punt that he makes more sense in? Because his percentages are fine. Everything with Barnes is just kind of fine. I guess punting... No. uh, Blocks, maybe? What kind of a weird-ass punt is that? Punt blocks. He's a wing. It's not like you were expecting you to get a ton of blocks from him anyway. He doesn't have that one or two big sag categories where you can just be like, oh, yeah, I'll just give up on this thing, and then Harrison Barnes makes a ton of sense. No, good for the Kings, bad for fantasy, blah, blah, blah. On we go. Uh, did we talk about Josh Hart? I'm not sure if we talked about Josh Hart. Um, Knicks brought in Dante DiVincenzo, which I actually think does impact Hart in a little bit. You'll have this kind of like addition-by-subtraction stuff or subtraction-by-addition stuff going on. Um. I'll probably draft Josh Hart, though. I think he'll probably go after 100, if I had to guess, because during his time in New York, he did some fun stuff, uh, but I don't think he made it onto radars the way that he should have. He was, like, top 65 with the Knicks. 10 points, 7 boards, good assists, good steals, good percentages. Those came back around in New York. Even if you pull a little bit away from him, I still think there's probably enough there although he is at risk here with the DiVincenzo stuff so um don't blow a uh, i wouldn't I, would, I wouldn't blow a pick in front of the top 100 on him but i would still consider uh something around 100 preferably 110, 115 range because i think that's like maybe a 30% chance it works and that's about where you can take a little plunge like that and we did it folks we got through free agency. We didn't talk about campaign being traded to the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, I think he probably comes off the bench behind Trey Jones. Uh, more than anything, this just hurts that Trey Jones can get thirty unfettered minutes and put up top ninety-five fantasy value. And we just talked about him on think on like the day before. Was that Friday? Might have been Thursday. So, yeah, the whole Trey Jones is like a nice walk-in baseball thing, that's probably dead now. He's, he, this pickup, assuming that Payne stays in San Antonio, he's going to be there to steady the ship when things get rocky. And they will get rocky, because the Spurs are super young, a lot of talent, could be really fun, but you know, sports car off the road kind of thing where you're like, okay, 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 let's just like, okay. And that'll be when Payne comes in and gets a few extra minutes and that'll be when Jones sees 26 or when Vassell sees 22. It's an opportunity for a veteran head coach who has all the leeway in the universe for good reason because he's, is Greg Popovich the greatest coach of all time? If he's not, he's certainly in the discussion. He has all the leeway he could ever want to pull guys in and out of lineups because it's all teaching moments for this team right now. And in those teaching moments, Cam Payne's going to be the guy that he throws into the lineup. Cam, get in there. I need to talk to this young guy for the next seven minutes. So, will Payne have fantasy value? I don't think so. Does this mean that Trey Jones is probably outside the top 100? Probably. This just puts a little bit of a dent into all the Spurs guards when you know that there are options for Popovich to turn to who are not young and freewheely. Tomorrow, we crack open a new nut here on the show, and the new nut is season win totals. Which division will we start with? Honest to goodness, I haven't even picked yet, because I'm going to handicap it this afternoon. One division per day. For six days, usually we do it in a row, but if some sort of big trade happens, then we'll we'll bust it up. But uh, that'll take us through here the next little bit in July. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Have a wonderful Monday. We're past the halfway point of July. We're exactly three months, I guess, from the start of the NBA season now. And that means we're only like a month and a half from digging hard into actual ramp-up So that's the countdown I choose to live by. The month-and-a-half one still feels too long. I'm Dan Bespris for Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. Shout-out once again to our amazing NFL team right now, putting out these sweet YouTube videos. If you guys want some free goodies over there, some mock drafts, and other cool stuff, go check that out on the... YouTube channel, that's youtube.com slash sportsethos. They're doing at least one video every week, and that'll probably ramp up as we get closer to the start of NFL season. Thanks again to calderalab.com We'll see you guys tomorrow.